We are live, everyone, for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, all right, all right. And uh, this episode of the Electric Podcast is sponsored by Pitigo uh, for July only. July only save up to $500 on Pitigo e-bikes, including their newest model, the Avenue. You can go in the show notes right now to um, click in the link in the show notes to get to their store, to find a store near you and uh, take advantage of that $500 off. You want to have an e-bike this summer. They're so fun. And Pitigo is nice enough to sponsor the podcast and they have great e-bikes. So go check them out. All right, let's uh, jump into the news this week. There's going to be a lot of um, just EV deliveries numbers because uh, Q, uh, Q2 is over and everyone has released that, including Tesla. Um, but also we're going to get able to Ford, uh, Rivian, GM, Fiskars, and all the, all the EV automakers these days. But first off, let's do our, our weekly check into the uh, NAX takeover, we're calling it. And uh, this week, not... Not nearly as much news as last week about Max with all the uh, charging station company jumping on board, including Electrify America and Volvo and, and Polestar and all that. But this morning, we had a nice surprise. Mercedes-Benz announced uh, the adoption and they're jumping on board as the, the first German automaker to, to do so. Last week, we did discuss that Volkswagen was all was like signaling that they were in discussion with Tesla about it. So it looks like they're going to move forward. But um, no, no one had pulled the trigger just yet. Mercedes-Benz had pulled the trigger. Again, almost copy-pasted announcement from, from, from the others, which is uh, starting in 2025, NAX as standard plug on their cars. Uh, next year, adapter available to um, Mercedes EV owners so they can take advantage of the supercharger network in North America. Um, Mercedes had their own uh, little announcement about uh, the expansion of their own effort to, de- to deploy charging station. So it was already announced to, that, that they were building their own network, one of the few automakers to do so. Um, but uh, like I said, it's pretty pale in comparison to what Tesla is doing. They're talking about 25 high-powered chargers, but that's 2,500, but that's the station. It's about 400 station in uh, North America. Um, first one are going to come in, in Q4 this year, so at the end of this year. So in comparison, like Tesla is already over 2,000 sites in North America. So you can, you can see why they want to uh, switch to NACs. And in, 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 in this case, they're talking about both NACs and CCS chargers at their own charging Mercedes branded charging station. So um, that, that's something we're seeing from charging station operator right now. Throughout the transition, they're going to want to have both to support their existing fleet and also just not to signal people not to buy their EVs that have CCS right now. That's kind of obvious. But everything points to a complete takeover from Nax. Uh, I would assume that next week we're going to have at least one other automaker to announce uh, that they're going to join on board. Who's next? What's your best guess? I mean, Volkswagen having signaled that last week, it would make sense. And Mercedes put it, putting the pressure as a, for the German. Um, but yeah, I would maybe. like to see an Asian one, maybe like some uh, a Hyundai or a Nissan or something like that to, to jump on board. That would be nice. I know Hyundai's got some issues with uh, the 800 volt, you know, 400 volt, 800 volt stuff, but they also make a lot of EVs. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, makes sense. All right, you want, we want to jump into the delivery numbers. From we're going to start with the biggest one, uh, and this is going to become. I think I think for everyone that 
is not aware, which I think most people are, just how much of a lead Tesla has in delivery numbers. It's become more it's going to become very apparent here when we start discussing the others after Tesla. So Tesla has announced that they had four four hundred sixty six thousand deliveries in the second quarter of 2023. Uh, so it came a little bit as a surprise because the consensus was 448,000. So Tesla beat that by almost 20,000 units. Um, and it also beat the previous record of 422,000 units. So they, they, they came in very strong. Mollus and X uh, gained a lot with uh, 19,000 deliveries, uh, but obviously Model 3, Model Y is still uh, the bread and butter at uh, 446,000 units. Uh, there's a discrepancy of uh, about 14,000 units in terms of uh, deliveries between deliveries and production from all three and Model Y, uh, which we, we've been seeing a growing inventory for Tesla too. So even though this great performance by Tesla, there is this this uh, this inventory issue that is building, and uh, Tesla is trying to address it with, with, with a little more incentive um, this week. Tesla had a cash discount on the referral program for the Model 3 and Model Y. So this is something that was already in place for, for Model S and X. They had a $1,000 discount and three months of free full self-driving program uh, package. Sorry, Now they are bringing that also to Model 3 and Model Y for when, when you buy one through a referral link. And they are doing a $500 uh, discount if you use the link to on both Model 3 Model Y, both new inventory vehicle and new orders, uh, and $650 uh, in Canada. So, uh, and also on the, on the referral side, they boosted the credits because all you get uh, for referral is, is Tesla credits, and it went from 2000 to 10000 So that's a big difference. And we're going to see if it's going to have any use. So Seth and I were a bit talking about this uh, before the show, about how uh, useful the incentive here is, how, how big of an impact it can have, because obviously uh, a cash discount on the buyer side is, is big. Uh, it's basically a way to, to just discount the vehicle without discounting the vehicle officially. You're doing through the referral program, okay? So that literally lowers the cost of, uh, of buying the vehicle. But... The, the, big, the big thing with the referral program, the usefulness of it has always been like the fact that the owners will, will push for it. They will they become salesmen, literally. Um, now, on this side of things, like it becomes easy now to, to actually to, to, to convince someone to use your referral code because you're going to get $500 if you use my code. But then do you get this, uh, this free cell phone? Not, not free, obviously, but cheap. Uh, owner-based cell force with this 10,000 credit per referral because what do you get out of those credit? I think for the first one, like everyone at least wants one because 10,000 credit would, would be useful. You can get like a wall connector for that. So you get a free wall connector, which will work a few hundred bucks. So that's nice. But then once you get one of those, you don't you generally don't need two or anything like that uh, and unless you want to get into like selling them and make a few hundred bucks every time. Maybe you want to get into that trouble. I don't know. Uh, then you have the free supercharging uh, miles, but those you can get. So you can literally get right now, you refer one Tesla, Model 3, Model Y, you can get a free wall connector and 2,000 miles of free supercharging. 
that's pretty good. Uh, so that's an incentive to do it. But then the free supercharging miles, they last only six months. So if you don't use your 2,000 miles in six months, you lose them. And, and, that, and, and you still have some less flow over credit at that point. So you can get like a few entries into the Cybertruck raffle. Um, but then after that, it's a bunch of like lifestyle accessories, I guess, you can get a t-shirt or whatnot. So I don't know how how incentivized people are going to be. Like I said, they, they're going to be incentivized to do one because that one is nice. But after that, you're like, all right, like I've, I've taken part into the referral program and like the cre- accumulating the credits is not, doesn't have any value. Like Tesla is actually banking on you losing your credit. So it, we are very far, obviously, for the Roadster days. Uh, but I feel like they could be like something in between, like um, a discount on on upgrading your Tesla, or maybe even discount on like just buying a car in general, like accumulating enough credit to buy a car or something like that. That that, that would make sense to me. Uh, you can just make it like more like a higher level than the the Roadster. What was the Roadster? Do you remember? Said uh, create yourself fifty. 50, 50 cars yeah yeah i think 50 was you get one for free that was it, quite high yeah, like two also like 50 was it's a lot of cars so yeah um i mean you could you could do that but that's for a 300 250 car you could do that now 50 for like you can get a, a new model 3 or a new model y or something like that that would make a lot more sense for tesla money wise and i think like a free car, everyone like goes crazy for a free car. Like it's good, right. it's good marketing. So you get people to go out there, uh, and and um, I don't know. So I, I, these ten thousand credits, I just I, I don't know how much. I, well, I think everyone's gonna want one, but at the same time, when you think about it, if every Tesla owner's refers one friend, it's a few million new sales. So it's not. Yeah, that I was good. I was gonna say like uh, we are not the typical uh, you know Tesla people the people that tesla wants to go out and sell a vehicle we have a lot of people in the world that um we talk to um so we sell you know a lot of teslas when we you know we use our referral link um i think a typical tesla owner maybe sells one or two every you know six months to their friends or family like nobody's going to be selling five unless they have a huge twitter following or or whatever um so, you know, the free wall adapter is solid. Um, wasn't there that there was not anything about full, full self driving, right? Like, that's not one of the gifts. Uh, yeah, you have upgrades. You can upgrade your car. I don't know if full self driving package is in that upgrade. I don't, I, I don't have access to, to it. You should see on your phone, you should be able to see in the upgrade section because I, because you, you have, you, you still, yeah, you have one car that doesn't have. Uh, full self driving? No, I'm not have full self driving. Uh, I got I got car- rid of the Model Three. Oh, so that's right, your Model I Three. Yeah, right now. Sold it for uh, Rivian. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, it says all my upgrades are sold. So uh, I, that I bought all my upgrades, so I don't have access to it. So I don't know if the that is in there. Uh, but I would assume if it's uh, if if because what other upgrades are there? Are there auto autopilot enhanced autopilot? I guess. But... So we got Cybertruck raffle, Tesla sipping glasses. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of those supercharger miles. Lifestyle. But you can you can switch to the upgrade section. Don't talk, huh? But for me, it doesn't. It shows nothing for me. And then 
accessories. I got the roof rack. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, if you need some of those, there's there's some accessories that are valuable in there. Interior liners, I guess. CCS yeah, combo adapter. All right, now. Well, well, a lot of these things, like Tesla owners, will already have them if they really need them. Right. Yeah, so, so it's all. So most of it, like some people would be more interested in in, in just in things that. They, they they bring actual value to to their car or to uh, or upgrading your car, like the, the the big ones are supercharger miles. Like the supercharger miles, I think would be a great incentive to have in there if you just either remove the uh, expiration date on it or increase it a lot more. Because I think Tesla's goal is just for you to 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 let them expire. Because um, two thousand right. miles in six months. Some I know some people, plenty of people do that, do use that. But for a lot of people, it's just it's it's not that often that you you use a supercharger network. You use it if you go on a road trip or something. So yeah, they don't have uh, the acceleration boost, which you would think they would put in there. Yeah, uh, all the upgrades like, should be able to be unlocked through that. And then also, uh, there's no wheels. That would be another thing, like winter tires. Yeah, the, you see the things that are useful, like. If you need them, it's not on there. Right. So I, th- I think there could be a lot more like Tesla could do with that in terms to incentivize the people to go out there and, and, and generate referrals. Uh, I, I understand your point about like Tesla just wanting for like the average owner instead of the influencers. Right. But I know personally a bunch of non-influencers that also like increase their efforts to get referrals um, w- when the incentive were there, because you have to remember, obviously, I think most of the people that got roadsters for free, got Tesla told that they have roadster for free. No one has gotten anything yet, uh, or influencers. But there's also there was also a discount on the roadster. Uh, you you'd get every referral that he get, you get a thousand dollars off the roadster or something. Like that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, everything was five percent off, maybe. Yeah, a few percent off. Yeah. Yeah. So more than way more than a thousand dollars, right? Um, and uh, and a lot of people has got I've gotten like <laughs> a few of those. Uh, you, oh no, I remember you needed to unlock though the supercharger discount. Like you needed to reach a certain number to, 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 of like the secret referrals that the, the secret awards that they were talking about. Oh, remember? Right, yeah. So you needed to reach a certain number before that. But it wasn't that high. I think it was like five or, or, or ten or something like that. Which, like, if you go out there, if you go to the gave test drive to people and in, in, in the uh, drive electric week and things like that, like that, just that alone, anyone could get a few from that. So it, there, there's the incentive could be a lot better. I think. What are you sitting on uh, free supercharger miles wise right now? Ah, uh, they all got expired for me. Really? Yeah, in May. Oh, a million. Why did- Mine are still there until November twenty fourth. I have a quarter million, two hundred sixty two thousand. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how that worked. I think maybe like your your last referral of that of that program was like later than mine or something like that. Oh, interesting. I, I don't know how that worked, but mine all, a million miles expired in uh, in May. So what I was thinking is, what if somebody added me to their account? Like, could they just use my free miles? Oh, well, they would need to put their car on your account, yeah. 
yeah. I mean, that's not hard to do these days, though. No, I mean, you could just invite somebody like Toro. Yeah. Does that. Well, no, you can invite them to drive your car. That's not the same. You can have a driver to your car, like have their Tesla account, but you would need to put your car, their car on your Tesla account. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, no, I should get that if, uh, that Brandon Flash guy who's just drives around Teslas or drives around EVs all over the country. I should get him to uh, add me and just see if those free miles work for him. Yeah, I mean, you should. Yeah, you should start. Um, you just buy a bunch of Tesla and put them on uh, on what was it called? It's true. Yeah. To, like throw and like make it free supercharge free uh, mileage with supercharger on there like that's uh there's money to be made in there i was thinking about keeping my model three for that yeah i, I uh i don't know i mean I, I i didn't get much for it i got twenty four twenty five thousand dollars for it which you know it was a 2018 not great shape because of the uh paint job sucked uh rear wheel drive long range though so i don't know Kind of feel yeah, like well, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on because I also I got my Model 3 estimated and uh, yes. I, wasn't, I wasn't happy about that either. Uh, we're going to get into that. Right, other things that Tesla is doing right now to boost sales too is that it, it sounds weird, but it's actually something that's going to help sales. It, it changed the standard color for the Model 3 and Model Y. So for years and years and years, it was um, white. Uh, since 2019, so that's four years of white Tesla. So you, you can go to any big cities in North America and Europe now, really, uh, and you would see within five minutes you can see like ten <laughs> white Teslas around um, because it's a standard color. Everything else would cost at least a thousand dollar or more. Before that, it was black. Tesla switched it uh, from uh, it was black for two years. And then Tesla switched it to white. And now after four years, they just switched it to midnight silver, a.k.a. gray. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, they went, went right between white and black. Like a nice mixture of white and black, but they call it midnight silver. So now it is the standard one. White starts costing um, $1,000. And then if you get the, the red or the blue, it's uh, $1,500. Um, I, but I, I'm in full agreement with Jeff Lee, our top commenter on that, saying maybe time for new colors. Well, it's long been time for, for for new colors. But Tesla liked that streamline, easy to do, not too many options. They, they love that. But it, it, it's gonna at least it's gonna be a change. Like you're gonna see a lot more gray Teslas around now instead of, of white, and it's gonna boost sell because if you were looking, you didn't want the white, you you wanted or, or I mean obviously specifically wanted the gray, or just you just didn't want white. Uh, it's a, the car is a thousand dollar cheaper now, so something to consider. So yeah, even though I don't think I mentioned it when we talked about the Tesla sales, but um, even though it was a record sales, we have sources that says in North America, Tesla didn't hit its goal for deliveries. Like China helped a lot. And there was a bunch of markets in Europe that, that hit uh, markets in APAC, like Australia had a good, uh, a good quarter. But they didn't hit their number in North America. Uh, and they've been putting a lot of pressure on the North American sales team to do so. By day, I mean it's Tom Zhu, the, the new head of automotive at Tesla. I don't know what his official title is right now, but unofficially he's basically the, the number one guy for automotive at Tesla in terms of sales. 
uh, and, and manufacturing, really, because he's leading the, the Gigafactory projects in, in Mexico and, and, and Texas. But he's also driving sales uh, since uh, January of this year. And um, he was in charge of sales in China, too, before that. And in terms of retail performance, China is the, the gold standard for Tesla. That's where they have the best retail performance. And uh, now they want to replicate that in the U.S. And they're just trying to see what, what will, will do it. And one thing that they've been experimenting with in China, which is going to be surprising, is Optimus. They've been putting Optimus in some stores, and it's been increasing foot traffic and customer engagement. And Tesla realized that by, and, and they just posted it actually for this conference, where they brought Optimus uh, with their cars, and the Optimus was getting more attention than the cars, even though it's not even a working prototype. I'm not talking about working prototype, too, just to be sure. I had the... Uh, what's the moron? Uh, uh, Gordon, uh, Gor- Gordon, what? The the guy, the guy that's been like doomsday Tesla for for forever. The supposedly uh, a Wall Street analyst Johnson or something. Yeah, Gordon Johnson, I think is his name. Um, he was he was freaking out when I posted this article. He like had a tweet storm about how I, I should be uh, like the ACC should go after me because I'm reporting some them that they're about a product that it's not real it's like it's not i'm not talking about we're not talking about robots like helping customers and stores here i'm talking about display unit bringing customers and store completely different uh anyway but it works it does work people people are more like the same thing happened with a cyber truck and tesla didn't even have the cyber truck in store but the cyber truck and the, the all the media around it and everything and people like reserving it um brought people to Tesla stores and helped with traffic and helped with buying other cars. It's, it's, that's how it works. And now Tesla is experimenting in China with the Optimus to do the same, and they want to replicate that in North America. So check out uh, soon in your local Tesla store, you might see a, an Optimus in display. But apparently, again, only displays unit. They won't be working. If something's going to work, it might be the arms. They might put like working arm prototypes in there. So you may be able to shake their hands or something like that. Ooh. I'm just guessing at this point. All right, uh, full self-driving. So we just I just hinted to that earlier, but I had uh, I, I heard uh, I was hearing a lot about Tesla not valuing full self-driving package very high on its own trade-ins. So when it, you trade in a car with Tesla, having full self-driving in it wouldn't change much of anything, which was very frustrating to owners. And now what they, they had this mention recently where in the trading estimate, they say it includes the value of full self-driving. So they have to like mention it for people that, so that people stop arguing about it. It's, it, it, it I, I was argue, I, I asked my, um, the, the girl that did the estimate, um, she text, I texted with her and I asked like, why is it in there? And it's like, oh, it was just so that people know it's, it's in there. Like, so like, there's no... It's just so that people stop arguing. It's like, no, no, we are valuing this. But it's not very complicated. You just have to break it down. So this is $41,200 is what they are offering me for my Model 3 in Canadian dollars in Canada. Now, you have to keep in mind that FSD in Canada is $19,500. So you have to include that or at least like a discounted like used version of that, even though I haven't really used it because Tesla hasn't delivered it. But in that $41,000, almost half of the value of it here. And 
that 41,000 with, so my multi performance, which is still in very good shape, by the way, but it has 47,000 kilometers on it, which is not even that much for 2008. Uh, it's 2018, sorry. If you configure it new right now, a multi performance, which doesn't get that much more than, than my version, like the multi hasn't changed that much since uh, 2018, it's $73,000 Canadian. And then if you have the same options as mine with the FSD2, it's $96,000 brand new. Um, so Tesla is extremely devaluing the car, but also FSD itself, which obviously I paid less than $19,000 for. What did you pay? Do you remember? I want to say it was like 4000 more than an Enhanced Autopilot. So I paid for the Enhanced Autopilot too. So like the two together, maybe like $6,000. Okay. Something like that. Do you think they're giving you 6000 Like, do you know what a... I, not 6000 Because look, so looking at... I had a few... What initiated this article is I had a few people that have not this exact same car uh, with the same mileage and everything, but a multi-performance 2018 with uh, within 20% of the same um, kilom- uh, kilometers on the odometer. And they would get a value of pretty close to mine without FSD. This, this car didn't have FSD. They will get between five and... I think I was, there was one that was like only $3,000 less and it had more kilometers than me. So that, that would value FSD at less than $3,000. But for the most part it looks like it, there's no way to value it at more than $10,000 for sure, which would be more than I paid for, but a lot less than the $19,000. And so there's two school of thoughts here. And especially you can look into the comment section of that article, by the way, to you get a lot of people debating this issue. But um, the idea is like, okay, but you do devalue the FSD too after the fact that you, you bought it, even though, Elon claim, uh, I'm putting aside the claim of the appreciating asset here. Like we're, that's going to be for lawyers to, to, to discuss in, in court at some point with people, I, I'm sure, because he did make that claim. Some people, so people are going to make the argument against it. Anyway, it, it's that Tesla is just fairly valuing what the market is willing to pay right now for this car, which is completely fair. However, the thing that hurts me is that Tesla sold me that package with a certain promise behind it is that this car is going to be full self-driving at some point and never delivered on that and still values it at $19,000, but only when it sells it to you, not when you buy it back from them, when they buy it back from you. So that's where the thing is. So you literally selling um, a product that you're not delivering and you're willing, willing to buy back that product for less than they bought it from, even though you never delivered that product. It, like, there's no other way to say that that's not cool. It's, like, I understand that it's not completely like the, the it's just, like it's just operating as uh, any automaker would with trade ins or any dealership would really. Uh, so Tesla basically is its own dealership. So that makes sense. But you have to also take into account the fact that Tesla is selling a product that doesn't deliver. I just, I just, I, I cannot get around that really. One thing that I, it doesn't fix this, like Tesla should just fix this and should value more their FSD better and, and trade-ins. There's just no, 
there's no way around that. But one thing that would remove a lot of the complaining out of it, if you would just let us transfer FSD to a new car. Yeah, especially at such a high, like expensive uh, rate. I mean, honestly, like the the idea of trading in my Model Y right now uh, and not ever seeing full self-driving, even though I paid for it, uh, mm. is like, it, it's like painful. Like I, I, w- I wouldn't, like I, I think I'm going to keep that car forever because I just want to see full self-driving hit it at some point. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then the same. My Model Three right now, I would be perfect. I would want to upgrade it to a Model Y or a Model S. I would be like perfectly willing to do that. The only thing is, like, I'm not gonna buy FSD right now for nineteen thousand right. dollars. Just there's no way I'm gonna do that on the new car. But at the same time, uh, pro- full self-driving probably is never gonna work on hardware three. I like, yeah, I, I have my, I mean, hopefully like that. there's a lawsuit that comes out that we get money back or like, uh, maybe, uh, an upgrade to hardware four or something. I don't know what, like, what's the best there's no retrofit that's going to happen. That's for sure. But right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been saying for years that Tesla should just offer refunds right away for, for people that want to buy, but that's not even, I'm not even asking for a refund. Like, uh, that's not even what I'm, I'm asking for. Cause, uh, <laughs> like I, I would get a few thousand dollar back for and tesla would would regret like i, I wouldn't actually right now now that i think of it if tesla would allow me to, like it would give me back my four thousand dollars and just put me on the enhanced autopilot uh package i would be fine with that because like, i use enhanced autopilot more than i use fsd by, by sure. far um but anyway what about the choice hold on what about the choice of getting your money back or being able to take full self-driving with you I would take full self-driving with me, especially yeah, if I can get a new car right. uh, that has hardware for. Right. Like that, that would make a ton of sense. And that would drive sales like crazy for Tesla right. too. Like well, a lot it, of owners, older owners would, would, would upgrade at no cost to them really. Like uh, it cost them like the insane gross profit that they would make off of, off of that car from people not buying it. But you still you still make your regular non FSD gross profit out of it because uh, Tesla has positive gross margin on these cars, and it's not because of FSD. Like a very small percentage of people is buying FSD right now. Uh, I think we last time we saw some figures, it was like less than fifteen percent or something like that. So it's not it's it's not what Tesla's driving Tesla sales right now. Um, I can't I can't imagine anybody spending that much for what is you know essentially a, a broken product. That, yeah that i mean it, it should work at some point in the future but hmm, that's a lot of money for a risk yeah, almost twenty thousand dollars in canada is is crazy it's a, it's a brand new car <laughs> uh so yeah but if you allow like and and also it makes just for like goodwill it makes so much sense because you, you've been i i bought this package you, you told me that I was going to get a car that's full self-driving by then with that package. You didn't deliver that. I'm telling you, I'm willing to buy another, despite all that, I'm willing to buy another of your products. I just want you, the, the, the lie that you told me, or maybe not the lie, but the, the grossly misleading timeline that you gave me about it, 
I just want you to transfer that to my new car that, that I'm buying and I'm giving you money for it. <laughs> it's, it sounds like so reasonable of a deal. Yeah, uh, it, that it would makes make no so sense. many Tesla owners happy. And especially a lot of people that have become like delusional, the, 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 no, not delusional, but disillusioned about Tesla. Yeah. yeah, a lot of, um, like you see that a lot about Tesla fans that have been fans for years and never owned a car. And then they own the car and then they start getting some problems with Tesla and everything. And like they start being, okay, like it's it's a normal company that, that gets them normal company problems and all that. Like us. Um, yeah, like <laughs> us. And um, like, and that would, but a lot of people like us are still giant fan of Tesla because of what they've done for electric vehicles and because they still do extremely great products. And we're going to get into that in a second, too, when we compare the sales number to these other automakers. Um, just you do that, and it's such a, it would it would go a long way. You would you would kill a lot of complaints, and you would boost sales like crazy, like crazy. All right, we're going to st- while we are still on the FSD topic, Elon. Still decided to make some comments about uh, FSD this week, and uh, we we decided to post about it because even though it's it's the timeline is the same, he claims that full autonomy is achievable by the end of the year. Tesla, uh, the wording we we we've been dissecting the wording every time because the wording is very important, and there's a few new wording here that uh, I think are worth diving into a little bit. But we're gonna go briefly because uh, the subject gets getting annoying at times is that uh, he said, in terms of where Tesla is at this stage, I think we're very close to achieving full self-driving without human supervision. So this is another example. So when he says full autonomy, it's full self-driving without human supervision. Uh, This is only speculation. Of course, he always has these uh, little specification. But I think we'll achieve full self-driving, maybe what you would call four or five, I think, later this year. So... So this is a little bit more precise because, you know, when you literally had a term like full in front of a self-driving like Tesla and sell that as a package, you, 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 you murky things. You make things a little more blurry, like you blurry the lines. Like, why, why do you need to put full in front of self-driving? The car is self-driving or it's not. Like, it's not. Anyway, but one thing that is useful for that, even though it's not the perfect way to categorize self-driving system, is the SAE chart of levels of, of self-driving that has been mostly adopted in the industry. And now you mentioned four or five. Um, previously, especially when this was first adopted, Elon has talked about five. Like there's him on record saying that promising buyers who buy a car with FSD right now that they will get level five. I think now anyone other than like the more hardcore Tesla fans would agree that five is completely unachievable because what five is, is full self-driving without supervision under any condition. All you need is to drive a car in the Northeast, a Tesla vehicle in the Northeast on autopilot in the winter to know that that's not going to be achievable because there's a little snow, a little slush around and uh, you get an alert on your cameras being covered and and autopilot uh, not being able to activate or perform well. So that happens all the time. So until Tesla has a solution for that, um, and that obviously not going to be a software solution for that. It's going to have to be a hardware solution. And there is rumor that this is going to be the case, like with the hardware for and Cybertruck. Uh, it, they seem to have uh, things to blow uh, on the cameras and all that. So the, there's solutions for that all there, but they are hardware solution. They're not on the existing vehicles that 
again, word promise FSD. Level four is maybe achievable, though I think level three is much more realistic for Tesla, even though England seems to be completely uninterested in level three. Level four is full self-driving under uh, no need for human supervision and, and almost any condition, just not any condition. So there is limitation. You can like geofence. Like uh, level four is what Waymo and crews are achieving with their geofencing. So they are limiting an area where, okay, in that you should be able to indulge any condition, but within those parameters that the, like the taxi service operates at. So this is obviously a lot of value, but that's not what, um, Elon has been promising. But in this case, he says four or five. And the fact that he just says that, like four or five casually, like that lets me think that he doesn't even know the difference much, right. uh, which is upsetting, obviously, as someone who's been promising level five for years, uh, not to now seems to care to point out more exactly if it's going to be four or five. Three is the same, but uh, the car can request human supervision with, a, with an understandable delay of switchover between human driver and um and the system but all three level three four or five they differentiate from zero to two by the system taking responsibility over the driver so there's no human supervision needed in some operation again level three and four there's there's limitation and level three being you can even request a driver to take over over a reasonable period of time uh, which sounds a lot like more like what FSD is right now, um, just without actual responsibility Tesla is taking and with a need for supervision, because you can see often like you're driving with FSD and, and the, the car without any easy to detect for human like obstacle or something like that, they will say, hey, well, you need to take over right now. Okay. But that's not what he's talking about, obviously. So I don't know. Uh, obviously, I've been saying that for a while now, but I just I don't, I don't see a jump from the current FSD beta to to a level four or, or level five at this point. Anytime soon. We've been talking about Dojo recently. I was, so that's my one of my rare hope with FSD is that is that maybe this is going to accelerate it. But even then, later this year we're already more than halfway throughout the year, so we're talking about a few months at this point. Like. I don't know why I keep saying it. Like it just it's delusional, it, right? Yeah, I mean it's like a meme at this point. Um, it's like that you know Simpsons meme where they're like, "Say it again." It's say it, you know. Mm-hmm. It it just and even like if you go into like the crazy um, Tesla fan uh, you know subreddits and you know on Twitter, there's still like there there are some people that are still uh, you know like oh it's gonna happen, but most of them are like, why doesn't somebody just tell them to not say that anymore? Like, this is embarrassing me. Like, you know, I have to go out with my, you know, Tesla attire and, and stick up for Elon. (laughs) And this is getting really difficult because like, you know, the, the, uh, reality distortion field just doesn't work that well. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't get it. It seems like, like he's just pushing the reality distortion way too far. Yeah. Because on, on the investor day, he, he had a good point to me, like where to explain why he was he kept getting this wrong. Where the they keep hitting a local maximum in the development, and you don't know that you're in the local maximum until you you you, you know, and that. But, created, but at that point, you should say, "Okay, I don't know when it's going to." Yeah, because you might like. So why are you thinking now that you're not in one? Like you, right. you haven't hit one, so. 
And the pace of improvement that we are seeing, if you're being completely honest with it, doesn't indicate anything soon. Right. So, like, obviously, he knows more about this than me. He knows more about this than probably anyone uh, that's uh, outside of Tesla's uh, self-driving team. So, maybe he knows something that is going to drastically increase the pace of improvement soon again dojo might be one of them but i I, that's like but he's already lied like 10 for 10 years in a row not maybe not lied maybe he you know he's optimistic over optimistic yeah but he's done it 10 times 10 years in a row it's not like gonna change this year like it'll change one year that i mean that there's always gonna be a time in the future where that's gonna be true but it's not from like we know what our cars can do right now and it's just not realistic mm-hmm. all right before we jump into our other stories today we're gonna have a quick word about our sponsor e-bike makers pedigo all right this week's episode is sponsored by pedigo electric bikes america's number one electric bike retailer pedigo believes in making e-bikes easy to use and incredibly fun to ride that's why they offer extensive selection of over 20 e-bike models each with endless comp Customization options. No matter your style or preferences, Pedigo has the perfect bike for you. That includes the Avenue, the company's newest model designed with a classic European look paired with modern features. It has a 500-watt motor, a 48-volt battery, and a range of up to 56 miles on a single charge, making it perfect for commuting or leisurely rides around town. The Avenue comes in both 28-inch classic and step-through frame and a 26-inch step-through frame, making it accessible for any rider. With over 220 stores across the country staffed with knowledgeable local experts and dedicated service technicians, Pedigo ensures that you receive personalized attention and support every step of the way. Pedigo also offers a five-year warranty on all e-bikes, which is among the longest in the market. Maybe maybe the longest. In July, Pedigo is running an exclusive promotion for electric listeners. You can save up to $500 on their bikes, including their newest bike, the Avenue. So go visit pedigo.com slash electrek to get access now or hit the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Pedigo for sponsoring. Yes, thanks, Pedigo. All right, we're going to jump into a bunch of stories about the delivery numbers for the second quarters for a bunch of automakers. And then we're going to take your comments on your questions. So if you have any comments or questions, you can put it in the comment section right now on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you're listening. And we're going to get to them in just a few minutes. All right, the first one we're going to get into. Well, oh, before that story, we want to discuss real quick this. I, I don't know how. <laughs> the, it's a weird one. So a bunch of automakers in China have made a pledge to uphold standards in the industry. Uh, and and, and it's, it's a bunch of different, like the, there's a four main point that they discussed. And, and those automakers include the uh, Tesla... Uh, Dongfang, CIAC, uh, BIAC, GAC, uh, Geely, um, BYD, NIO, XPeng, all, all the, the automakers that produce vehicles out of, uh, out of China, really. And they, they made a pledge to abide by all the rules and the regulation of the industry. I hope that should have already been the case, that they will pay attention to the marketing methods not to exaggerate or condole false marketing. So that has been a problem with electric vehicles at times. So um, 
probably a good point to add. Third, we put quality first, use quality-oriented, high-quality product and service to meet people's need of it. I mean, that should be like just your goal as a, as a company all the time. Fourth, we'll actively fulfill our social responsibility and take active roles in helping stabilize economic growth. I guess the e, e, ESG stuff, whatever, ESG. Mm-hmm. But part of it was also uh, the pledging to, uh, how they phrase it, to, to not further, inc- uh, to, to not complicate the price war that's already happening in China that reduced the prices of electric vehicles, which they say it was kind of an unofficial one. It was kind of the goal of this pledge, really. It was like the unofficial goal, even though that those were the four main points, that the unofficial goal was to, hey, let's stop this price war, um, which, I mean, in the U.S., they would call that uh, a cartel, really, like a, a price cartel, and it's it's uh, illegal in most places to do that. Uh, so, obviously, in China, things are a bit different. Uh, but, but I thought that was an interesting little development for the Chinese EV market. All right, we're going to start with GM for the deliveries numbers. And um, GM, had, uh, the, 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 the Bolt, obviously, is still the, the biggest driver. Uh, the, um, they had 15,652 EVs delivery total, and the, EU, the Bolt EV and EUV uh, accounted for, for almost 14,000 of those, so the vast majority of them. And uh, the rest was the Lyric with about 800, if I remember correctly. We should have posted the chart. I meant to tell uh, Scooter and Peter about that, that. All these articles should have like a nice chart instead. Yeah, about no, 968 uh, deliveries for the Lyric. Uh, and the Armor EV is on a tear right now. It went from two uh, in the first quarter to 47 in the second quarter. So that's yeah. a massive increase. But again, we're, we're talking about GM all in into electric vehicles. And they have fewer than 16,000 EV deliveries in Q2 compared to 466,000 for, for, for Tesla. So, yeah, it's, it's still very in its infancy. Obviously, the old Siam is also is just starting up, but we need to see a big ramp up here. GM is just not ramping. They, like, yeah. they, did, they did a little bit of a ramp with the bolts, but, you know, if, you know... <laughs> Mary Barra keeps saying that she's going to catch Tesla in terms of numbers, and they just are not making any kind of volume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know the Lyric and the Hummer are both like high, high cost, high end, yeah. lo- low volume things, but like they're just not able to ramp. And and recently they announced so the, the Silverado EV is is late; it still hasn't launched. It was supposed to launch in spring. The Blazer SS is no longer a thing until next year. Um, they they changed the uh, summer launch to just regular blazers, which is probably a good thing, lower prices. Um, but overall, it's just really disappointing to see GM like, you know, over and over and over again, just keep missing deadlines, keep slipping. And then they're doing things like um, they uh, are petitioning the uh, uh, environmental, uh, I, I can't remember the name, but they're petitioning the U.S., uh, the uh, EPA? Yeah, the EPA to uh, lower the requirements oh, of yeah, 50, yeah. 50% EVs by 2030, which seems like a really low barrier. Like, yeah. you know, GM is all in on EVs. Well, come on, guys. Like, 
seriously, you really need to get your act together. Like it's really, it's and really to, hard, hard to just toe this line. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I would, I would think that in 2030, GM could be in a good position too with their EV business, but you, you have to look at the short term here and with the bolt going away at the end of the year and the bolt representing the vast majority of their EV sales right now, the launch of all these new cars that the Silverado and the Equinox and the Blazer, it needs to, the ramp up needs to happen fast to have any kind of significant EV output from GM. Otherwise with the bolt EV going away, they're, they're, they're screwed. That's kind of why probably they are petitioning to, to lower these standards because uh, without without the bold TV, they they, they, aren't, they might have a tough time for a while until they ramp up all those programs. Yeah, and it's, it's also frustrating because they're doing well on their internal combustion sales, and you know inside they're going put all the money mm-hmm. on the you know the easy thing mm-hmm. for us to do, and uh, that's gonna disappear really quickly. And uh, you know every electric vehicle sale that Tesla makes. You know, Tesla's almost doubling every year. So they're just chomping up market share from yeah. GM and Ford. And and every delay that GM does is just like, that's a smaller company mm. in 2030. That's going to be a smaller company. Like I'm every so single. Okay. So, uh, you know, like in the short run, like they'll, they'll have some increases. But in the long run, GM's becoming, you know, a, a, non, a non-factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivian, Rivian, uh, better news on this side of things. Uh, with uh, the company went from producing just nine thousand vehicles last quarter to almost fourteen thousand, just eight short of fourteen thousand out of uh, normal in Illinois in Q two. So that's a massive forty eight percent increase quarter to quarter. Um, so good on 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 them there. And uh, also, they, they were able to deliver a lot of those. So that's been a problem with Rivian. Just like Tesla, they need to deliver most of the cars that they produce. Otherwise, they, they find themselves having paid for the car that they produce and not, not being able to declare any revenue from that, which makes them look financially really bad on, their, on those quarterly results. But this time, they delivered 12,640 of those uh, 14,000 vehicles delivered. So uh, good, good on there, too. And uh, they still believe to be on track for 50,000 units in, uh, in 2023. Um, and so what do we do? What do they need for the second half? So 9,000. Uh, so they just, they are over just over 21,000 right now. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, still a, a tough task for the second half of the year, but doable. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, the stock is obviously going up. It's been up, I think a whole week in a row straight. Um, I think they are starting to eliminate some of the bottlenecks in their supply chain. It sounds like mm-hmm. they're getting some real production numbers happening. Anecdotally, I got mine a little bit early, my R1S mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Um, I see a lot of other people getting deliveries online. Um, you know, and like it, there's always been like tons of Rivian sitting at the, the shop there. And I'm always like, well, you know, where are all the customers for these? Like, why don't you get mm-hmm. these on the road? People are waiting like crazy. And I guess, you know, they also had to hire up uh, a bunch of delivery people. My delivery person came over from Tesla. Um, but I think they just, the whole supply chain from, you know, sourcing batteries all the way to the delivery guys, like they needed to really kind of up up their, and, and continue to up their uh, headcount. I feel like they're 
like at a place right now where they're going to hit their yearly target and probably go beyond it a little bit. And then, you know, the sky's the limit from there. The only thing is to playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think since uh, they have the enduro and like the cheaper model, but coming, but it's still all high end stuff still. It's still expensive vehicles that they have. Um, the problem with, with Rivian is I, I think they, they, they're going to need these interest rates to go down a bit. Because um, I think the, the market right now for, for, for these uh, higher end vehicles is getting smaller and smaller just because the, it's hard to get a loan that makes sense for it. So I, I, they, they've, been, they've been banking on their 70 plus thousand reservation backlog, but it's been more difficult to get these people to, to pull the trigger because completely different macroeconomics since mm-hmm. when they place those reservations. Yeah, you, so, you, me- you mentioned the Enduro. Um, the, they also have the R2s coming out next year, mm-hmm. um, which you know everybody said they're going to be much less expensive. Um, they're going to also have an LFP battery pack, uh, which will make things a little bit cheaper. Although I don't know if you're going to get that, the kind of range that you really like. Uh, you mentioned the Enduro before. Uh, I think they could sell the Enduros for the same price as the four-motor stuff because they get much better range. Mm-hmm. I think people would trade the range for, you know, what I don't even know what tricks the um, all, you know, four four motor vehicles do. Like they took they took away the tank turn and mm-hmm. you know there's like rally mode and drift mode and stuff like that, but I feel like you could do that with just two motors. So, uh I think I think it's getting better for Rivian options going forward, although I agree with you 100% they need to get those prices down. Yeah. Yeah. So the, those things coming next year are going to help the LFP, the R2 and all that. But I think like some things, if they do reach the 20,000 units, like if they can produce in Q4, 20,000 units, for example, I think they're going to have a tough time selling 20,000 units of R1S and R1T in a quarter in these current conditions. Uh, I, I disagree on the R1S. Yeah. I think there's enough demand there, especially mm. if... Uh, Kia doesn't come out with their EV9 and and uh, the Volvo EX90 is also not out. Uh, but I agree, the R1T is already kind of saturated. All right, moving on to uh, Ford. So Ford has been out of the legacy automakers, uh, has been one of the, uh, their approach I prefer the most uh, to electric vehicles. But the numbers have still not been there. Uh, and uh, this one was kind of a disappointing co- numbers for their ev cells in q2 so it fell uh 2.8 percent um f-150 lightning cells reached 4,466 unit in the second quarter which a lot of people like clap because it was it's up over 100 percent from last year but last year they, they started production in that quarter so like it's a not not a big deal really uh to to be up uh, of course earlier this year they did stop production too so that kind of affected the, the ramp up, but they, now they say that they are back to full capacity and they say that uh, June was the big the, the biggest month for the F-150 Lightning. So at least some uh, silver lining for going into the, the second half of the year. But 4,466 F-150 Lightning, uh, like a year into production, it's, it's not that impressive to me. Like I would have liked to see the Lightning like in at least the... the, the, the 
higher five figures at this point. Yeah, I mean, and this is the last quarter uh, that, uh, maybe the last couple quarters where Ford is not competing with Silverado. Exactly, good point, yeah. They're not competing. With, with The Silverado has 450-mile range. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot more than Ford. And then, obviously, the Cybertruck is coming as well. So, mm-hmm. like, this is their opportunity right now. They, they, you know, the full-size market is theirs. And that's pretty weak. Yeah. And then the other big program, EV program from Ford, the Mustang Mackie, this one is down 21% year over year. So that's also disappointing. Uh, but they say that uh, the VP of uh, sales distribution said that they would saw an improved uh, delivery uh, inventory flow at the at the end of Q2. So again, they are they seem to be hopeful for the second half of the year. You see, June was the biggest month for the the Mackie too, but the, the, June is just a big month for car sales in general. So I would say one one thing Ford needs to do is get their dealers in order. They've mm-hmm. been gouging the heck out of the customers, and they have no idea if they're getting a good deal or not. And uh, that's for me, that's like the biggest pain point. Yeah, yeah, because right now it's just it doesn't look like a great EV business that they have. Obviously, uh, it's going to go up from there. But um, well, in twenty twenty three, I thought I thought I thought Ford would be a little bit. Uh, in better position at this point. Yep. So we've been going like good news, bad news, good news, bad news, but back to good news. It's Polestar. Polestar has been, uh, had a very strong Q2 with uh, over 15,000 deliveries um, up significantly from last quarter. They had 12,000 deliveries, which already was a, a great quarter for them. Uh, so now they are, um, they, uh, they, they look good for uh, the second half of the year for their goal to have between 16 and 70,000 uh, vehicles delivered first half of the year total of uh, just short of 28,000 units and of course that's before the uh, that's just with the uh, Polestar 2 and uh, the Polestar 3 deliveries are starting second quarter no, not next year yeah next okay. year oh, I not. thought it was that was this year no they were delayed as well they're, they're mm. on the same platform as EX90 mm. oh that's right that's right that's right so yeah uh, they're, they're selling a lot of Polestar 2s yeah, it's just with the Polestar 2 right now. It's it's pretty impressive uh, just for that vehicle program. Though it did it did get a lot, a lot cheaper recently too. So uh, mm-hmm. that helps. the rear wheel only drive, real, mm-hmm. rear wheel drive only. They're supposed to give me one to test long term uh, soon. Uh, I haven't I haven't had news on that. Hmm. I know that they were in like, in Quebec. They were on like a test drive uh, tour. Uh, finally, Fisker, uh, they fell short of their delivery goal with uh, just, well, actually, I don't know if they even released delivery numbers, or at least we didn't have them here, but the uh, production number was 1,022 units in, in Q2, uh, which uh, was uh, short of their goal of between 1,400 and 1,700. So uh, they say the, the note supply chain issues for that, uh, but they, uh, they, they expect to work through them through the second half and ramp up production. Um, to um, what's the delivery goal or production goal for the year? Expect to produce 14,000 maybe in early July. What was that? That's not a goal, early July. Anyway, we don't expect any significant volume from Fisker anyway. Right, and they're being made at Magna as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, lastly, before we jump into the, your comments, we're going to have a, a quick wrap-up recap. Uh, last week, when, when we did the podcast, Seth was doing it live from Kansas at the Electric Formula Sun Grand Prix. Uh, but it was still ongoing, and the, the, the biggest days were actually on the weekends. So what happened since then, uh, Seth? Can you catch us up? Yeah, Aaron and uh, Steven were there from our team. Uh, we made a nice little video there. Uh, the... the uh, there's two teams that won, obviously, uh, the Florida team went in the uh, single occupant vehicle uh, category. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of this place. Montreal won the... Uh, uh, Polytechnic. Yeah, won the uh, uh, multi-person uh, multi occupancy, yeah. So it was a great race. But love to see, like, college students all, like, coming together, like, uh, you know, for instance, uh, one of the cars uh, had been broken down for like a day and it, they got the the students got the car running again. The whole like the whole place was uh, erupted in an applause. It was it was really good to see like the camaraderie and the competition. Uh, it was just just a really fun time, like seeing all these people geeking out on solar, on propulsion, batteries, uh, a lot of electric readers there. Um, we, we met a lot of uh, fans. It was just a really good time. Uh, you know, Topeka is probably not on a lot of people's radar, but uh, if you are in the area, it's, it's certainly uh, fun to go to. We'll be there again next year, hopefully. Uh, we haven't, you know, worked out any deals yet. But uh, what I would like to do is like kind of, you know, they so so they have Tesla there. Uh, Tesla's a sponsor, and Blue Origin's a sponsor, so. Um, and they're both just recruiting there. And, and one of the recruiters was telling me like going to a place like this is like shooting fish in a bucket. Like it is just so easy to find really talented people, really like hardworking, smart engineers. Um, so like, I'm like, well, that, that's obvious. Like, it, you know, Tesla's, he kind of started from this JB Straubel and, you know, the first members of Tesla's team came out of Stanford solar car program. So like, why aren't more people going to this thing, you know, spending a couple thousand bucks, setting up a, a, a booth and hiring these your super talented kids. So uh, we're going to try to give them some help and, and try to get more people to uh, make it a bigger event for, you know, corporate sponsorships and stuff. So cool. yeah, that's what we're going to try to do next year. And uh, it's a ton of fun. So hopefully still, you can make still Topeka next year. It's all uh, they, they have the, uh, Grand Prix in Topeka, and that's kind of the qualifying event for the mm -hmm. uh, larger event, which is like a you know six hundred mile like riding through the West. I think they're going to do national parks, um, so it, it's going to be two events next year. Okay, nice, lots lots of fun. Looks like it. Yeah, I'll try to make it next year. All, All right, right. coming to the comment section, questions. All right, Nick Cedar, question. Will somebody may be making a NAX to DF DCFC extension cord for non-Teslas? What would throttle the charge rate to 50K for a Bolt, the Tesla side, or the car charger? Would the cord then not need cooling? Well, it's a lot of amps coming through the, the superchargers, so you're going to need a pretty thick wire anyway, um, even at uh, 50 kilowatts. Um so it's not going to be like a uh, extension cord you'd find at like Home Depot or whatever. Uh, it's going to be 
going to have to be dedicated. But it maybe maybe it makes sense. Maybe Tesla's adapters that they make for Ford uh, are actually like you know four feet long, so that they can actually plug into the supercharger and and Ford's uh, <clears throat> F one fifty Lightning, which I think they had a hard time connecting up than the YouTube videos I've seen. Yeah, that's been a suspicion of people who are like, since the adapter is going to be short-lived anyway, uh, for, for well, at least the production overall, since once you cover the market and everyone has switched to Next, it doesn't, it's not a useful product anymore. Right. It wouldn't make sense to have it work for the existing vehicles that don't have the plug at the right place. Right. I don't quite understand this. I bought a Tesla to J one seven seven two plug eighty amp adapter with lock for under eighty dollars today. I think the eighty amp adapters is you have one of those? Yeah, I think I have one of those, yeah. Alright. Yeah, I think it's the same adapter as the forty amp one. It's I mean it's not mm-hmm. it's not rocket science, it's just a piece of metal and a piece of plastic. All right. Uh Tesla should just post a standard OEM NAX agreement online. I'm guessing Elon told the lawyers to negotiate no concessions. Uh, I was told that uh, from a car maker that there's a standard 10 page agreement that Tesla sent to all the OEMs. So uh, maybe they'll they'll post it. They'll probably post it on Twitter. Uh, So we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, Moving on. uh, I just sent Tesla a proposal yesterday to help them with hydrogen refueling stations that are, Awesome. All right, we can, we can skip this one. Good luck, <laughs> I, I, I get some of those like every day where people like think that I can help them send a proposal to Tesla and everything. I'm like, first of all, I can. So for a second of all, they don't care about it. Like, <laughs> the, have you ever heard anything Tesla said about hydrogen for, for years? Yeah. All right, Richard Cool says six-month free Twitter Blue account <laughs> with purchase of Model 3 or Model Y. Yeah, Only six uh, months. worth That's, 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, I like the Quicksilver Tesla color you can get in Europe. Yes, that is that is like a multi-layer paint job. Uh, yeah, that's night and day. That's different. Yeah, I think that what do they call it? Dark silver? No, I think it's Quicksilver. I think that's, no, but that's what do it. they call the new default color? Uh, midnight silver. Midnight silver. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, they're color. different. They're they're way different. All right, Carl in San Diego. It's kind of pathetic that car companies upcharge a thousand to fifteen hundred for color paint. In essence, that makes their base prices BS. We experienced this with BMW i4 2, but upcharges 650 to 3600. So it's the same paint that you get from like the blue, the, the white one or, or, or the, the black one. So what, what you pay for is for Tesla having to switch things up and to make those colors. That's what you're paying for. It's not that the actual paint doesn't cost more to do, but it, it is more cost efficient for Tesla to produce just another the standard color because they produce more of it it's, it's that simple uh so i'm not i'm not upset about that what i would like is just more choices like even if you charge more for like the 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 rarer colors or the one that are less used it make it makes sense um but offer more options yeah i would like to say green maybe an orange yellow brown anyway Tesla will have to hire security to ensure their stupid robots aren't stolen from showrooms. Sorry, galleries. Uh, so it's display units. Like they can. 
Put a I bike lock on it. I was going to say, who's, who's going to want to have that? Obviously, I shouldn't say that because there's always someone that's going to want to have one of those. But it's not it's not like stealing like a, a, a million-dollar prototype from Tesla. It's, they're dummies. Like you're literally stealing a dummy. Um so, so I don't think I don't think that's going to be an issue. Also, it's sitting right next to a hundred thousand dollar car. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe uh, what it's going to be an issue if you're in the San Francisco store or something. Like that. Right. Question: What do you think of the California Nicola Ni- Nicola Grant? They got. Like I think California loves to spend money on dumb things. Yeah. Like the, the uh, and the they haven't got their their uh, the the um. They're lesson yet because how many times that they built hydrogen stations in California that they just go unused all the time? Like at least for Nikola, the idea is still a bit more purpose because it's for their own fleet of commercial trucks that technically they would use it more. But I mean, Nikola, you want? Yeah. I, I, when Seth sent me that, I, I responded like, "Where is Mitt Romney when you need him?" And something that the government is picking the loser when they famously said that about tesla wrongfully obviously but in this case it would it would make sense yeah all right rich here there's a problem with tesla devaluing used fsd software it doesn't suffer from wear and tear and more to the point your car is running current software anyway yeah that's that's part of the point for sure but also i would add to that software that they like you're not buying fsd for the software it is right now you're buying fsd with the hope that Tesla deliver on its what it's promised it's gonna be. And once they don't deliver that, it's it feels terrible to like sell it back to Tesla for less than you paid for because they didn't they didn't give it to you. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's so simple, but the Tesla fans like even that that that's where I lose Tesla the 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 lot like I lose respect for the ultra fan of Tesla when they defend things like that. It's like you're in a cult when you're defending things like that because this is obviously wrong thing to do. It's purely like capitalism, like just getting as much money as possible without uh, care for for what's right. All right, here's a possible solution. Perhaps it's best if FSD was just a monthly service that travels with the driver. Decouple it from the fiscal car. Going forward, yeah. But too late. You already sold it to a bunch of people with a certain promise of it. So like that it's too late for those. Like on yeah, unless you reimburse everyone. Which they should uh, do. Yeah, but for now it's not it's, like I, I would think like give them the opportunity to upgrade with FSD before reimbursing them. Like you're gonna save money there. But I think it's only a matter of time before that happens, Fred. I think you're right. It's I mean there's already class action lawsuits in the way and everything like that. Like It's, it's right, coming question. from different points. Do you think Tesla is using the subscription cost of FSD to reduce the value of FSD at trade-in based on how many months you have had FSD? I don't think they can do that. I don't no. think that's... No. All right. Mike the Car Geek says SAE 4.5 are more like SAE 3, which some engineers and lawyers want to skip over. That's not true, is it? But I mean, yes, they are more alike than like 3. is. It, it's certainly different, but I... Th- I, I I don't see the argument that there's no value in three. I think there's clear value in three. And it's much easier achievable. I understand that the the um, passover from the system to the driver 
is a complicated issue. There's no doubt about it. But I think there's a way to do it. Uh, let's give like Mercedes a chance because Mercedes has done it in Europe. It's 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 in place right now. I haven't gotten a ton of feedback from it, but even from our quick test that we did there, like it it made sense in traffic. Like you just activated, and then you you're not responsible. The system is responsible, and then once you get out of the highway or whatever, you switch over and it's back to you. I, I, there's value in that. Maybe not $19,500 of value, right. but there's some value. All right. Um, level three is not easier than level four. Obviously, if it's for public roads, it's just that to handle all human traffic with human being eyes off and up to 10 seconds transition time. All right, let's keep going. But manufacturers know the time it takes to realize AV is failing to negotiate a problem and for a disengaged driver who has learned to rely on the car to do all the driving and take over equals too long. Not all much right. I'm following there. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to keep moving here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of discussions in the comments. GM sales are embarrassing. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so Mike the Car Geek says R2 next year, no chance. I wonder uh, if that's based on anything or because uh, Rivian plans currently to release the R2 next year. So, or at least announce it. I don't know what their exact delivery time is. Question. Okay. Another nickel up. Fisker delivered more than one vehicle in the U.S. That's good enough for now. Okay. Pretty low bar. Another nickel up. Jeez. Yeah. I just got that. Maybe we should try to get a documentary team or Netflix or Discovery Channel for the solar race. We have so much dumb TV. It would be great to be follow the students' development and competition. I agree. That would be super cool. Yeah. The Optimus robot uh, knows jujitsu like Zuckerberg. It can defend itself. That's hilarious. Uh, Duke, when is the next quarterly meeting? I can't find it. If it's Tesla you're referring to, it's July 19. Okay. And last question I can find, Carl in San Diego question. If you had to guess the first legacy to exceed EV production higher than Tesla, which one would it be? I don't, I don't think they'll ever catch up to Tesla. There's no, Tesla would need to fumble hard, like, like really hard for someone to catch up. Like the, the idea that anyone can catch up right now is all based on like from the legacy standpoint is like we're already producing so much more vehicles than them. Right now, so like, yeah, for sure, when everything is electric, you're gonna still produce much more car than, than them. But right now, when you look at their vehicle programs, they're just flat compared to Tesla. Like, there's there's not the like hockey stick curve that Tesla has hit. It, it's just not there. And there's no like, so I I think in like two years, there's gonna be like big six figures high six figures, mid, mid to high six figures vehicle programs outside of Tesla. I think that in, in two years, in 2025. But Tesla already has some of those that not, are not going away. And within the two years, they are likely going to have three more of those. So that's probably going to be more mid to high six figures vehicle programs than the rest of the industry combined. Which there's none right now, by the way. Like just so we're clear, right. there's just Tesla as, the, as two of those. The answer is just none of those. Right. And Tesla's gonna have two or three more within the next two years, 
and probably the rest of the industry also had two or three of those, but Tesla's going to have already more than that. So there's no, it's going to be hard to catch up to Tesla because of that. Uh, again, the only way is that if Tesla fumbles hard, super right. hard, which I, I don't see them do. Um, maybe the Cybertruck is a big flop, but eh, I think I think it's going to do at least fine. Um, it's probably going to do what Tesla expects it to do right now, which, like as Electric revealed last month, uh, the telling suppliers right now about 20, 30, uh, 375,000 units a year. It's a good vehicle program, mid uh, six figures. So, uh, and then they're going to have obviously the robo taxis, which all, this one could go also fumble, obviously, because of uh, its nature being self driving and Tesla having issues on, on there. But then the Model 2 is going to be a hit. <laughs> There's no, I don't, I don't think Tesla's going to screw them. I don't want to say Model 2, but the, the cheaper vehicle, like, I, I remember, like, I always remember this. We were at the Model 3 launch and we were, like, watching the the, the, the vehicles, like, the test drive. And Seth, Seth said, like, you said, I don't, I don't think, I don't see why people are going to buy the Model S and X anymore with, with that in. And I wasn't completely on board with that, but it turns out you, I think you were more right than, than I was on, on this. But I think that I think the same thing is gonna we're gonna have the same thinking with when the mole three the mole two is gonna go. I think the, I think the mole threes are still gonna, and mole Y are still gonna do fine just because of the momentum of things. But I think we're gonna have this impression of Tesla's gonna just take everything that works with mole three mole Y. And fit it in a package of a cheaper vehicle. I think I think that's completely doable. Yeah, and you know I I think uh, the addressable market right now Tesla's still a premium brand. Uh, when they go down market a little bit more, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna like unlock a whole new audience for them. So I agree. Um, I, I and like you said, Tesla is going bonkers right now like in numbers like every year is you know they don't double every year but it's like an 80 percent improvement meanwhile like you know ford's down gm's you know down a little bit like they're slowing down id4 production it's like it's it's not going to be even close like maybe in 10 years something weird happens with tesla and you know there's a revolutionary revolutionary guy at uh hyundai for instance and and yeah so Something like that could happen, but for right now, in the next five years, I don't see anybody catching Tesla. No, Not I even mean, coming close. No, because you look at what's happening with the ones that seems genuine in the pursuit of the transition to electric vehicles, like Ford. I feel is genuine, and you you see what's happening. Like it's it's hard, and then Farley seems to be on board. It's just and he seems to be like you recognize what's happening, and it's just it's hard to do. And then you have on the other side of the spectrum, you have Toyota, which is just completely lost in this whole in this whole thing, and is just too attached to their ice business to to commit to a transition. And um, so, in be- that's the two ends of the spectrum. And there's yeah. even at the better end of it, you don't see them catching up to Tesla. So yeah, there's no one's going to catch up. Because- yeah, I mean, if anything, like I could see a disruption coming from China. Yeah, the Chinese are, are are definitely the better equipped a, to, to do it. Like BYD, yeah. like BYD, the, BYD just need to 
change its name properly. <laughs> so, or at least not use the build your dream on your car. Like just remove that <laughs> to start with. Just use BYD. Uh, that's already going to be a big improvement. There's a lot of things that there's just small things that BYD that he could do to 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 to, to just uh, be more palatable to the Western market. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, but uh, uh, no, I, I mean, they, they're going to do great things in, in in other market. Though BYD, I think. Uh, they just they're not they don't seem to be tuned into like the North American market right now. All right. Uh all right. Well that's it for us this week. It was a long show, an hour twenty. I appreciate every single one of you that's still listening right now. If you are listening on your podcast app, you can um click a like, subscribe, whatever it is. You can give us a five star review that helps a ton too. And uh, we're gonna see you same time, uh, same place uh, next week. Have a nice one. <laughs>